Welcome to this episode of Connect, monthly conversations and resources for faith formation leaders in the Rio, Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church. In this episode, we will be hearing from Sarah Bentley Allred as she talks to us about intergenerational ministry and helps us see how we can be intentional in this important work. Sarah is a faith formation leader in the Episcopal Church and currently serves as a primary editor for Virginia Theological Seminary's Building Faith website, where you can find discipleship resources for all ages. I'm excited for you to get to hear from her today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, A lot of my work with Building Faith is very administrative. And so I love, love when I have these opportunities to actually like have a conversation with folks. So just really, really glad um, to be with y'all. So what we're going to dip a toe into, I'll say, is intergenerational ministry as an effective approach for faith formation. So I'm going to move into um, sort of the contentiest content piece that I want to share about intergenerational ministry. And I'm going to start with the research. And... um, It was hard to know how to capture this in a short amount of time. So kind of over at the bottom left, you'll see a bunch of people's names. Tanya has these slides and is familiar with these folks. So if you want to like dig in and follow up and read a whole book, that is there for you. Um, But the bottom line, the best that I could kind of find a quote to encapsulate it, Uh, I found a quote from Chris Barnett that said, an intentionally intergenerational environment is more likely to encourage and sustain lifelong discipleship for all ages. This kind of encaptures what I have read in the research, that this is intergenerational ministry is a very effective research-based tool for faith formation and in fact is more likely to sustain what some call sticky faith, the faith that sticks over the long haul from childhood and adolescence through um, adulthood. It's more likely to sustain sustain that than some of the age-segregated ways that we um, have done ministry over the last, I don't want to put a number on it, many years. Um, so there's a lot of great research that you can dig into, but the bottom line is it's very effective. Intergenerational ministry is effective in terms of what the research tells us. So digging into some language, what is intergenerational? Um, I found in my work that often we say intergenerational and we think that we're talking about the same thing, but we might actually need to be more precise and get a little bit more specific. So, you know, big picture intergenerational kind of means two or more generations. And those might be thought of in terms of the um, generations that are outlined baby boomers versus millennials versus Gen X. We can also think of it as sort of like life stages, childhood versus emerging adult versus older adult. Um, I tend to like when we're talking about 
something that is appropriate for every generation, the term all ages, because I think it comes more like it comes to be more precise for people. People understand, okay, this is something that is for literally the whole church, people of every single age. So I really have in recent years kind of leaned away from using the term intergenerational and into the term all ages. So instead of saying like, we're going to have an intergenerational potluck, I would say potluck for all ages or worship for all ages or um, a fall like play day. Play day is not the right word. Fall festival for all ages. Um but it isn't the only way to do intergenerational ministry. And I'll move towards that in a minute. Um, another word thing that I like to make sure to be clear about is I've started using the word household rather than family. Because people, some people have a very specific idea of what family looks like in their head. And personally, um as somebody without children, I would feel a little bit weird attending like a family event or a family worship service because I would think it meant family meant people with children like under 18 at home. And I wouldn't know if I was invited. So if it was the term like all households welcome or something like that, I would feel a little bit more included. Um, Same thing with child friendly. It can be it can be used to say like, oh, we're open to having children at this, but would it be off-putting to some people who are, for example, empty nesters or um, or that? So just thinking about um, the language we use and how it's going to be interpreted by people. And this is a great thing to actually run by some of your people and get their impressions on like, what do these words mean to you? How do you interpret them? What's the best language for our context? But the key to intergenerationality really is intention, being intentional, intentionality. Um, so multi-generational could be like, we have a lot of churches with multiple generations in the pews on a Sunday morning. I wouldn't necessarily call that worship like intergenerational worship or worship for all ages because there hasn't been necessarily a lot of intentionality about how that worship service is planned and prepared and how people are participating. It just happens that people from multiple generations landed there, but a lot of times it's prepared primarily for adults, not for all the generations that have shown up. Um, and the same thing can be said for a potluck or, or another type of event. So the key being intentionality. So intentional intergenerationality, what does that look like? There are kind of um, three key pieces, we might say. Um, there's a mutuality. So everybody can participate and everybody can benefit. Or if there are two generations involved, it's not one directional. Both generations are participating and both generations are benefiting. There's a reciprocity. Again, the, the gifts and what's being received doesn't flow one way. There's the ability for every generation that's involved to both give and receive. And then the equality, the equal valuing of the different generations. Um, so I don't know if this arc 
uh, speaks to you. But when I kind of think about intergenerationality, I think of sort of an arc of the lifespan and I kind of put the life stages on there. And in a ministry context, think about how can I create intentional connections like between these different generations or life stages, however it works best for you to think about it. How can I help draw those lines of connection? And how can I fill in this arc in a ministry context with like as many lines going to as many different places as I can think of? So in intentional ways. (laughs) So for example, um, having uh, preschool, having retirees read, you know, paired with preschoolers as reading buddies um, with an emphasis on relationship building in terms of it wouldn't just be like a retiree reading to a whole class of people. Could we pair them up with a specific preschooler? So when they're reading, they're actually getting to know them. Um, confirmation mentors. Maybe we're pairing up um, middle age folks with teenagers as confirmation mentors on a one-on-one basis. Um, in a previous congregation, I did something called storking with my uh, adolescent to youth group. And that was when somebody in the parish had a baby. We had this like wooden stork that was just yellow. And we would get in our church van with our teenagers and like go to their house and like quietly decorate their yard and put this like stork in their yard and like put some balloons on it and put like some diapers and wipes on their front door and ring the doorbell and then like run back to the van and leave. (laughs) Um, And part of that, we always talked about like, if I had a directory with a picture, I would show you, show them like the family's picture and make sure that they know, like, this is the family that just had a baby. And if you see them in church, well, you might not see them for a while, but if you see them in church, like this is who we have been storking. And then if they like wrote the youth group a a note, I would read it to the youth group. So trying to like make those connections with the different generations. Um, And the Genius Bar was also a youth group um, situation. But basically during one coffee hour after church, we invited anybody who had like a cell phone or an iPad or a computer thing that they wanted some support with. We had um, teenagers and young adults that were willing to offer some like very basic, how do you change the wallpaper on your cell phone um, tech support after church. And the beautiful thing about that is some of the older adults like really connected with a youth during this process of like, my phone keeps doing this and my own grandchild doesn't live nearby and I don't know how to fix it. And there was actually like conversation built. So after they like fix the wallpaper or whatever, they're like, oh, well, what school do you go to? Oh, that's where I sent my kids. Um, And some of the youth would actually offer like, if you have, if you see me at church and you have like another issue with your phone, let me know. And I would like be happy to take a look at it. So I'm sure um, I'm going to save this question for discussion, but I'm sure you have done some other intentional things in your context that bring people 
together, generations together in these types of ways. And sometimes it's just helpful to hear other people's ideas. Um, so tag, pin that in your head for a, for a minute. Okay. Um, so I wanted to get a little bit into some practical steps. Um, if you've had a couple of wins, um, or, or if you haven't, and you're like, how do I move towards a more intergenerational culture? Um, I have recently been really loving the language from this book that is not at all related to ministry called The Lazy Genius Way by Kendra Adachi. You can look her up. You can listen to her podcast. Um, but she has... 13 principles to embrace what matters, ditch what doesn't, and get stuff done. And although most of her examples are domestic type related examples, I feel like it really applies to ministry. So for example, one of her principles is let people in. If you are in congregational ministry and wanting to move more towards an intergenerational culture, especially if you are not like the number one person in charge. So if you're like not the senior pastor person, you probably want to find a co-conspirator or even a whole like committee of co-conspirators um, to help you think about intergenerationality, learn about it, and then um, make some moves. Then the second principle that I think can, from Kendra that really applies is starting small. So she often talks about how when we want to move towards something, for example, um, losing 30 pounds, we try to like build a really big machine to get it done. Like we buy an app um, or like some kind of personal trainer and we like say that we're going to do it five days a week and we just like build a really big machine. She encourages people to start small. So when she wanted to start a yoga practice, she committed to doing one downward dog a day and that was her starting point. And it over time led to more but she picked a starting place that she felt like was ridiculously doable. I think we can do the same in ministry. So if we want to move towards more intergenerational worship, could we think of one young person who would make an awesome lector and diversify the age of our lector team <laughs> and then invite them to be on the lector, on the rotation as a lector? Um, and then a third practical step is being kind to yourself. This is one of her principles. Um, culture change is really hard. And we have been in a model of doing faith formation that is very age segregated for many, many years where like the small children go to the nursery and the preschoolers and the, you know, through first graders go to this class of Sunday school and the youth group meets on Sunday night. Um, and so trying to find ways to like integrate the generations is holy, but hard work. Um, and so we need to give ourselves grace, be kind to ourselves and also personalize. So Kendra Dachi talks about, um, 
being kind to ourselves has to do with figuring out what makes us feel like ourselves. And I think that that can apply to leadership. Each of us has a unique style of leadership. Mine includes a lot of spreadsheets. That is not everybody's jam. And if you are not a spreadsheet person, like don't tackle intergenerational ministry with an Excel doc, because that's not um, that's not authentic, authentic to who you are. Um, these two questions, the magic question, uh, come from Kendra Adachi. What can I do now to make blank easier later? And essentializing, naming what matters. If intergenerationality matters to us, Marshallist said, like, it is the way forward. Um, what's in the way? Can we remove some of the things that are, that are in the way and keep what is essential? So some good things to have conversation about in your own context. Um, so there are so many, so many good resources and I decided to highlight one because I think it can be really, really overwhelming. And again, um, starting small is a really good place to start. So there is an article, Tanya has the link by a colleague of mine. I'm pretty sure she works for Presbyterian church. Yeah. First Presbyterian in Oklahoma. And she wrote this article, Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, Practical Steps to Increasing Intergenerationality. And she has has like really worked a process in her own congregation that is intentional. It is slow. It is collaborative. Um, and it has really borne some beautiful fruit. And she created a really awesome handout that is included in this article that I think would be really helpful for that educational purpose in congregations. And part of how she used that handout is after she had her, her group of co-collaborators um, learning for a while. And then they set up meetings. This was a larger church. They set up meetings with every committee in the church to take 20 minutes of their committee meeting and to talk about what is intergenerational ministry and to like educate every single committee in the church and help them think through um, what else those committees could be doing. So I love this because it's, it's trying to spread out the work of intergenerationality to the entire body of Christ, not just keeping it centralized in the staff person or people. I think that might be my last slide. So I just wanted to make sure that we pass that on to you. I want to thank Sarah and all who joined this live conversation. I am so grateful for the wisdom and the resources shared that we can use to help us in our work in intergenerational ministry. You can find Sarah at sarahbentleyallred.com. You can find all resources for this episode and view past and upcoming conversations at riotexas.org forward slash IG connect. We hope as you listened, you were encouraged and inspired as you consider how to lead intergenerational ministries in your context. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at our next connect.